Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks for the journey that you have given us already this morning as we have sung the joy of resurrection that Christ our Lord is risen today. For all that we have heard and given and seen, we are grateful. Now we pray that as we continue to listen as you speak to us through your word, that you would give us ears to hear what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was in a conversation with a friend recently, don't know how it came up, but uh, the question was asked, what is your favorite Morgan Freeman movie? Morgan Freeman, well-respected actor, very popular Dozens of, of films. And very quickly, we reached a consensus. The Shawshank Redemption. Favorite Morgan Freeman movie. If you don't know it, here's the plot. A man is uh, convicted of a crime he did not commit. Sentenced to life in prison. And over decades in prison, he painstakingly, patiently plots his eventual successful escape. Morgan Freeman plays a fellow prisoner uh, in the movie um, and also narrates the movie. As a character in the story, he narrates the story. Several years ago, I was stopped at a traffic light. Maybe you do this, maybe you don't. I always read the license plates, the car dealer decal, uh, the bumper stickers, the now the window stickers. It says a lot about a person, what they put on the back of their car, right? So I'm doing this, the normal pattern. And on this day, the car in front of me has a bumper sticker that says, I want Morgan Freeman to narrate my life's story. I want Morgan Freeman. How cool would that be? Think about it. Your life story told with the voice of Morgan Freeman. But the Scriptures tell us something even more wonderful. Not about who narrates our life story, but who writes the narrative. Scripture tells us that the God of the universe, the God of all creation, 
the one who created you and me and everyone who's ever lived is at work writing our life's stories. Ephesians 2, chapter 10, we looked at this several weeks ago, says we are what God has made us. We are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpieces. The Greek word is poema from which we get the English word poem. We are God's poems, beautiful stories that God is writing. Now, we're poems, not puppets. Uh, We are not prisoners to an ironclad script that God is dictating. We are participants in a wide open story that God is weaving. God takes our choices, our sinfulness, our faithfulness, the good things and the bad things that happen to us, that come to us not because God chooses them to come, they come to us simply because we live in a sinful and fallen world. God takes all of these things and weaves a wonderful story that in the midst of the pain and the suffering and tragedy ultimately is redeemed. God makes a masterpiece out of you and out of me. But here's the catch. There's always a catch to something like this. As fascinated as God is with your story, in order to fully live the story that God is making out of you, you cannot be fully fascinated with your own story. Instead, equally, if not more so, fascinated by the story of Jesus Christ and the stories of those around you. In other words, the one who is weaving this masterpiece in you does so out of love so that you, in love, can focus not just on your own story but on God's story and on this story that God is weaving in and out of creation. In other words, our life stories are not primarily about us. They're about Jesus. Jesus. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we speak of the stories of Jesus, and we use story language to talk about Jesus, we're not talking about fiction, something made up. We're not talking about myth. We're talking about the true story, things that really happened. God really raised Jesus from the dead. He really was, we believe, fully God and fully human. And it's only when we find ourselves in that larger story, locate our lives in the story of Jesus, that we find the true meaning and the true purpose for the stories that God is writing out of each of our lives. So, to our text from Acts chapter 10, there's a a Roman centurion, a representative of the oppressive Roman Empire, who is seeking God. And the Holy Spirit, through various ways, brings Peter to the Roman centurion's house, Cornelius. And Peter has this wonderful discovery in the process. God shows no partiality. Jesus has come not just for the people of Israel, but for all people. And Peter realizes that he is here in this place, in Cornelius' house, to help him find Jesus. And how does he help him find Jesus? He tells the story. He tells the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's look at it again from our text. Beginning with verse 36, you know the message He sent to the people of Israel, preaching preaching peace by Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. And this message spread throughout Galilee. The baptism of John announced it. Jesus was baptized by John too. 
God anointed him there, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus, through his ministry, what a wonderful phrase this is, Jesus went about doing good. The story of Jesus going about doing good. And then he rescued those, he healed those who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God was with him. And then Peter says, this didn't happen in a vacuum. We're not making this up. We are witnesses to this. We're witnesses to all that has happened. We're giving you eyewitness testimony. We've seen, we've participated in all that Jesus has done. And we can tell you on good authority, our own eyes, that, that Jesus was put to death by hanging on a tree. The crucifixion that we remembered on Good Friday. But then what we celebrate today, God on the third day raised him from the dead and he appeared not to everyone but to those who would be his witnesses. We who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. That's a key phrase there. We who ate and drank with him. Jesus is not a ghost. He's not like he was. His resurrection body is now no longer subject to decay or to death. But he's still Jesus. He still is given a resurrection body with which he eats and he drinks. And then God commanded these apostles, these disciples, to preach to the people and testify that Jesus is the one ordained by God to be the judge of the living and of the dead. He comes not just to make us feel better about our lives, but to judge us where we fall short of God's glory and then to redeem us through His cross, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 42, all the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Peter is in a position where there is someone who wants to know Jesus, someone who wants to draw close to God. What does he do? He goes through the whole narrative. The, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And in so doing, and this happens all over the place in Acts, frequently the disciples give this same, a variation of this same sermon. And this is a call then to us on this Easter day to make sure that we are locating our life stories and our life story as a church in the story, the true story, the greatest story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So how do we do this? How do we locate our stories in the story of Christ? Four observations. First, we immerse ourselves in the story. We immerse ourselves in the story. For the past week, we've been doing just that. The story of Holy Week. Elisa led us in remembering Palm Sunday last week, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We had uh, Bible studies walking through the, the trial scenes of Jesus, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for breakfast. Uh, Thursday, uh, we gathered in the fellowship hall to remember the Last Supper and to share the Lord's Supper. And then Friday at noon with the community and then at 7 here in this place led by our choir. We remembered the crucifixion of Jesus. Today we celebrate His resurrection. We are locating ourselves in the truth of the story of these things that happened to Jesus for us and for all of the world. And we do this every Sunday. Every time we gather together for worship, we are rehearsing, we are reliving, we are retelling all that God has done for us and for the world in Jesus Christ. So when we go home for 
for Easter lunch or any Sunday lunch over lunch. We don't eat the preacher or the choir for lunch. We don't talk about how well they did or not did. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we're not. We ask ourselves, were we open to the story of Jesus that the Spirit was immersing us in and shaping us to become more like Christ? But not just in worship, we read the Scriptures each day over the season of Lent. We've read through the Gospel of Luke. We've immersed ourselves in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Why? Not just for knowledge here, but for relationship here. And so that the Holy Spirit can shape and transform us into the people that God has made us to be. So that the character of Christ can be born in us. And the reading of Scripture is not so much about understanding it as best we can, as important as it is. We read the Bible not for information, but for transformation. The person who knows the Bible ten times more than the other person, the average person, that may be a good thing. The better question is, is that, is that person ten times more loving than the average person? We read it over and over and over again. So that the Spirit can shape us into the image of Christ. And so that's why we do what we do here in worship and in Bible study and throughout the week in Sunday school, Tuesday night gatherings. We do all of these things on our own reading the Scriptures and together so that the story of Christ can get in us and the Spirit can shape us into the image of Jesus. First thing we do is we engage. Uh, We immerse ourselves in the story of Scripture, the story of Jesus. Second thing is we embrace the story of Jesus through faith and baptism. We embrace the story of Jesus through faith and baptism. Peter is preaching a sermon here. It's geared toward Cornelius and his household. And he's telling the story of Jesus, and he's leading to the point of decision. You have a decision here, Cornelius. What will you do with this truthful story that I've just told you? Will it be just a nice story that makes you feel good and that gives you information? Or will it be something that you embrace by faith and you give your life to? The good news of the sermon, the good news of this passage is that Cornelius and his household do embrace Jesus and they're baptized. And the call comes to each of us, do we believe this is true? Do we believe that God really was in Christ, working through His life to show us how to live, dying His death to forgive us of our sins, as verse 43 says, raised from the dead, to give us victory with Him over death, sin, and the devil. Do we believe these things? And if we do, we embrace the story through faith and through baptism. Many of us here have done so. Many of us here have done so, but the call for us is to recommit to that faith. Others have not. Today may be the day for you for the first time to say, I believe the story of Jesus. And I want to embrace it by faith and by baptism. At the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity to publicly profess your faith. We immerse ourselves in the story. We embrace the story by faith and baptism. Third, we share the story through our words and our lives. Peter says that Jesus appeared to us so that we could be witnesses, so that we could testify to what we have seen and heard. And so it is the call for us as a church to give witness, to testify to our experience of Jesus, what Jesus has done for us, how we have encountered 
saving love and grace of Jesus Christ. To share His love with our words, but also to share His love with our lives. Look at that phrase again, Jesus went about doing good. Wouldn't it be wonderful for our church to be known as the church that goes about doing good? Doing good in our city, doing good in our region, doing good around the world. On this Easter Sunday, as this part of the story is told, the question for each of us is, in what ways are we going about doing good the way Jesus did? How are we sharing the story of Jesus with our words and with our lives? And then fourth and finally, we engage the story of Jesus with our whole selves, our whole lives, when we follow Him as Lord. Look again at the early part of the passage, verse 36. You know the message He sent to the people of Israel, preaching preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. To immerse ourselves in the story, to believe it, to share it, is to recognize that Christ is Lord, that His story is more important than any other story in our lives, more important even than our own stories, the masterpieces that God is making. Jesus Christ is Lord. And everything we do and everything that we are is lived within that parameter. Is Christ Lord of my life? Am I living for Him? Am I doing the things for Christ that He calls me to do? Am I serving the story of Jesus? Or am I simply serving my own story? Several years ago, I, I got a ticket, speeding ticket. Was it the first? Was it the second? Wasn't the third? But to this point, I'm hoping I can still say from now on that it was the last. Because I haven't received one since. Thomas was in preschool. We were late to preschool, late to work, late doing what we do. And we were running late, driving too fast. So I see the blue lights and I know what's coming. And I'm not going to fight it. I know I'm guilty. So what I immediately switch into is protect one's children mode. Do you ever get in that mode? Protect your children. And so I very soothingly said to Thomas, Thomas, there's a police officer that's flashing his light toward me, and we're going to pull over right over here into this parking lot, and that police officer is going to write me a ticket for speeding. Now, Thomas, Daddy is not going to jail. This will be a nice police officer. I will confess that I have done what I shouldn't do. And he will write me the ticket. I just want you to know before this happens. You know, you'd think after a soothing message like this, one son would say, Daddy, it's going to be okay. It's all right. Thomas said, Daddy, you've got to slow down. You've you just got to slow down. You're driving way too fast. For months afterwards, I would hear, slow down, Dad, slow down, slow down. The beauty of this day invites each of us to slow down. To slow down and ask ourselves, are we immersing ourselves 
in the story of the life, death, and resurrection? Is it the one true story that shapes everything that we do? Have we embraced the story through faith and baptism? Are we sharing the story with our words and our lives? It's time this day to slow down and ask, is Jesus truly Lord of our lives? Or is He just a good part of life, making an already good life better? Someone once asked the question, Would your life make sense the way you live it if the resurrection of Jesus were not true? Then live in such a way that your life would not make sense without the resurrection of Jesus. Because it is true. It is real. Christ is Lord. Christ is risen. Amen.